0: Hello and welcome to the Aussie Nurses Podcast, I am Nat I am Jem and we created this podcast to follow our journey into the world of nursing This year as graduate nurses we will focus on surviving our grad programs and interview nurses we find interesting and squeeze them of their advice and guidance
1: If you have any questions or suggestions you can always shoot us a message on our Instagram page which we'll link in the show notes Enjoy 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 the the show. show!
0: hello and welcome back we have uh, our first interview today with beck hello beck evening <laughs> it is actually evening at the moment that we're recording this it's a lovely thursday night um we've just had a glass of wine and now we're ready to talk nursing even though we have a little bit already um, but Beck, you are a ICU nurse and you've recently graduated from the from grad the- program if, if that makes sense
2: um, so do you want to give us a little bit of a backstory on you? Okay so um, I originally worked for a telecommunications company for seven years. And then I had my son, which is actually the reason why I became a nurse. So um, one of the main reasons was I wanted to make him proud. The second reason was when I had him, unfortunately we went through a bit of a tough period where we didn't have any money, um, was supported by family, things like that. And we had some health complications, just like you know ACL reconstruction, and then obviously babies have issues where because we were on Centrelink and we went through the whole issue of having to be on waiting lists to be able to access healthcare, I thought that it was really hard and I hated the fact that there were so many Australians out there that had to fight for their health and not only that like had to wait years to be able to get help and I wanted to become a nurse to better the world.
1: <laughs> super inspirational though. Um, applying for grad positions especially while having a young child can be difficult. How did you
2: mitigate and navigate that whole situation? So I'm quite lucky my family is behind me 100% so um, you know they help with pick up and school drop-offs and things but I was very passionate about getting you know um, doing very well as a nurse and you know we we went to uni together that was a very fortunate
1: occasion. Yes, that's yes.
2: how we met. <laughs> so I think that we're all quite high achievers in our fields and what we want. And I think that when you know what you want and what you want to get, you there's always a way to achieve it. So, um you know, my son, uh, he doesn't he doesn't suffer from that. He gets trust me, he gets what he wants. He gets enough um. love from everyone. <laughs> Yes, but um, like my parents help with school drop-offs and pick-ups, and obviously we all liaise together. I put calendars up on the fridge that's like a month in advance with rostering and things like that. That um, organise the pick-ups, the um, drop-offs, and like just the who's who of what's doing what. And it does get hard sometimes where he and you feel guilty. You do get the mum guilt of you know he's in after-school care. Oh my poor child! And then you pick him up and he's having the time of his life with friends afterwards, and you're like oh. I didn't have to rush here. It was fine. But um, in regards to getting the grad program, I find that, yeah, it is tough at the start. You do stretch yourself quite thin. So, um, you know, there's there's times where you're like, I can't do this. But you can. If you want something, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have any prep
1: tips or um, advice?
2: Yeah. Um, my best advice is when you're going through uni – join societies, get to know everybody, get to know your faculty because everybody has connections and one of the biggest things that I really liked other than just joining the societies and getting to know people was when it got closer to do like applying for your grad program was going to the hospital open days and meeting everybody there because the staff that staff the um, desks and things like that for the different areas and specialties are like your nursing educators, your nums or your clinical nurses and that that have a say in who might be hired and what questions and they will remember your face. So, you know, I met the nursing graduate coordinators for those Min- areas and stuff like that. So, um My biggest tip is go there, get your face known, ask questions. You know, nothing's dumb because they've got to have a response to you, things like that. But definitely get your face known because they'll remember you when you turn up for those graduate days of your interviews. Yeah, I think that's some really good advice.
0: Yeah, definitely. So um, I think that's really important as well. I didn't actually get to go to any of those days. They just happened to be when I was... um, at uni and um i you wasn't are, able right? to go <laughs> i know like i wanted to really go to them and, and i think that would have given me such uh, more of a heads up but i mean you can only do what you
1: can do but obviously that that helped in your case as well so it's good to know which one <laughs> uh, so at uni we have a lot of assignments and a lot of them are about reflecting when you find yourself sitting in the car waiting for your son or you know just driving
2: around do you reflect how often do you reflect how does it work It's probably not a reflection process like uni teaches us. So obviously uni has like your Gibbs reflection models and things like that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't find myself reflecting like that. And in fact, a lot of times where you may have a tough time at work or you may have, you know, you can have a good day at work and you come home. You're like, yes, I knew everything. I had that down packed. Today was awesome. So you sort of don't need to reflect because you're at home high-fiving everybody. But when you're having those bad days, I find sometimes you just want mind-numbing. And so you'll go home, you'll turn on Netflix, you'll turn on Stan and you'll just watch whatever is on there just because you don't want to think about something. Um, My reflection process, I guess, is like you'll jump in the car because unfortunately when you finish work and if you've had a shit day, you don't want to stick around and talk to a lot of people because not only do you sort of think, I don't want to talk to you, But you think, what are you going to think about me? Which I know is not what's supposed to happen. But unfortunately, as a grad, especially as a learner, well, even though you are technically a nurse, like you're a registered nurse, you've got your qualifications, you still think of yourself as a learner. And they say that, what do they call that? Is that unconsciously unconscious? Like where you're, and they go through like the consciously conscious and all of that type of thing. But basically, you're aware that you're a learner and you're aware that you've had a shit day. And- I don't want to go and talk to somebody else who's going to be like, yeah, that was shit. Like, I don't need you to tell me. I will sit in my car. I'll reflect on it. Might pump my music up. I'll get home and I'll, I'll just somebody at home, like a family member, I'll be able to be like, well, this happened and I did really bad in that situation. And family, especially since they're out of that environment, like I know that they don't understand things like what happens in the nursing field. But they're able to say to you, Do you know what? Get out of your bubble. It's not that big of a deal. You're supporting life there, like especially in a critical care environment, like you it's not as bad as what you think. Like you you have helped that person live. Just because you made that one mistake, you it's it was easily fixed. Like you knew what to do, you've redone it all and like they help you think outside your box, basically. it a little bit of
0: perspective, hey. Yeah, because you can't quite see that because you're constantly perfecting where you are when you are literally still just in a learning process.
2: Yes. And in fact, I think there's something called like the gorilla. I don't think it's the phenomenon. It's the gorilla something. And what it is, is it's this... um, Oh, I think you can Google it on YouTube or something, and they've got these people bouncing a ball around, and it says count how many times the ball bounces, and then halfway through, this man in a gorilla suit will walk through. Spoiler alert! I I think I've heard of this. But, but the one thing I failed on was I noticed the guy in the gorilla, and I got the ball bouncing right. But other things happen in the background, like things change, colour and all that. And they say that what happens is people get so tunnel-visioned on one issue that they don't step back and actually look at the whole picture. And the reason why our facility had us look at that was because of doing like our advanced life support thing. Um, So what they were trying to say is, well, yes, this person is having something that needs advanced life support, Look at the entire picture. Take in your four H's and, you know, all of that and just think about the bigger picture of what's going on and how you can really help that person. And there's more than one person in a role. Call on everybody else. It's really important as well because as nurses, they try
1: to tell you initially, like, everything's holistic and remember to go in their interdisciplinary studies and, like, make sure you're talking to other disciplines. It's not just nurses. It's not just physios. You're working as a team because they all have some sort of interplay and connection. You've done your
0: grad. Um, I'm sure along the way you would have picked up things that, you know, could make it a little bit easier on yourself. Do you have any any tips or anything to help you prepare for each shift? Um, and definitely what snacks?
2: Um. <laughs> Tell you what, lately I am shocking on that side of things. (laughs) So when I first started my grad program, I was prepared. Like I'd be up the night before, I'd have my snacks ready in the fridge. My son's lunch would be ready for the next school day. I was up at 4.30, I'd be, you know doing my makeup hair perfect everything walking in early and you'd get on the floor early and they'd be like um no you're too early go sit out the back have a coffee or something you'd be like just let me get out there and (laughs) but um and now it's gotten to the stage where like I'm not gonna say you get burnt out like there is always that you could get burnt out and I'm realizing that maybe I've stretched myself a little bit too thin like it's been 12 months I haven't had any holidays I haven't looked after myself properly yes so it's my fault that I haven't seen like hey Beck maybe you need to have a holiday you've you know um so with the um nursing graduate coordinators and things like that they do say when you get to your six months of your grad program Book a holiday as soon as you start. That would be my recommendation to any new grad is even if it's your first week on the floor, book a holiday. Um, Nobody's going to think that you're slack. Nobody's going to think that you're shit. Anything like that look after yourself because trust me, by six months, you are going to feel like even though this is an area of field that you want to be in, you just don't want to turn up to work one day because you just want some time to yourself. You just want to have some sleep. Um, So that would be my recommendation is like book a holiday at least six months so that you've got you time to get yourself back together. What do you think stopped you from booking a holiday? Were you just sort of by the time six months came around, it
0: was a bit too late to sort of start organising something. Or,
2: yeah, I don't know. I think that I thought I could just push through it. I was like, my grad year is only a year. Like, I have this. Like, I did. I did uni for three yeah, years. Who <laughs> <laughs> needs a holiday? Um, but it's different. Like the mental strain is different because your learning curve in your first, like. I was going to say a year, but even quicker than that, I would say like we had two weeks of orientation, supernumerancy, Um, And then you were basically on your own patient, like a high dependency patient. And the learning curve in that time period is like massive. So you're, you know, you're learning new drugs, you're learning new complications, you're learning that these people are quite critically ill and you need to get everything together because otherwise this person could die. Um, so I, like taking all that on board, I think I just wanted to know everything right then and there. I wanted to know, I wanted to learn, I wanted to suck it all in. I just wanted to be perfect. But unfortunately, in trying to be perfect, I wasn't looking after myself. I didn't think about me. I was too busy thinking about my job, my patients and everybody else. But then you sort of put that in danger because you're not looking after you and then you start to get tired and you start to not want to be there or you don't take the proper responsibility on that can affect others yeah and fatigue managing your own fatigue you can just be too tired
1: your brain switched off for that half a second and I imagine in that environment it's quite fatal
2: yes yeah wow
0: definitely and did you do anything sort of outside of work socially like you are you still doing netball?
2: So I used to be quite heavily involved in netball. But no, I gave all that up because I wanted to concentrate on my graduate program. Um, Unfortunately, that was probably the wrong decision. And that's like that was my personal decision again. So the hospitals actually recommend that you keep up your extracurricular activities. They will even – I believe that – and this is just something that I've heard – That if you put in that you have a social event, like a sporting event, the hospital has to actually make their roster around you because they're promoting that healthy lifestyle. They want you to continue with all that. So if I had known that at the start, I probably would have continued with my netball. But because I thought, no, I need to buckle down. I need to concentrate. I just want to be amazing at my job. I'm going to just, you know, be the most amazing ICU nurse this place has ever seen. And then you sort of get in it and you're like. Wow. This is huge. Do you use a shift planner? How does um, it work with one
0: patient? So I use them, but I have four. Mm-hmm. But how would it mm-hmm. work with
2: one critical one
0: yeah. critical patient?
2: So we don't use the typical like whole hospital system. We use like ICU have their own program basically and you're at your computer every hour. Like with with your your patients anyway we are constantly bedside monitoring like it's one-on-one care they are critical ill so we are constantly at our computer and at our patient and every hour we need to be on our computer updating all their vital signs um, checking medications doing all our um, just normal obs and things like that but I do find it a lot easier and unfortunately as a grad you do find that because you're not so used to anything, you have to get faster at doing it. So you don't technically, um, what's the word? Like you don't technically know what you're doing until a little bit later on. But you realize that because you're not very good at time management, you need to get faster at doing everything rather than better at it. Is that the word? So, yeah. Imagine you can't predict what's going to happen to the patient.
1: So it's kind of like you've got to look at what the potential is and the risks for each thing and get ready for those things. Yeah. Yeah, right.
2: But as for a time planner, like, so we sort of have it on our system already. Mm -hmm. But lately, I found it a lot easier to write down my own time planner so that I know what's coming up. I don't need to constantly be logging onto the computer, even though we do to say, yes, I've done that tick and flick. I like having the paper copy on the Down, like, and I'll write down my, you know, eight, nine, ten. This is due here. Pressure area care, patient cares, like all of that on a bit of paper, so I can just immediately look at it and go, cool, done, 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 done. Now I can update my computer because you're not constantly then like wash my hands, put on gloves, touch my patient, touch the computer. Like you're doing, you obviously there'd be hand hygiene involved in a lot of those steps there. Whereas now it's kind of like cool on my bit of paper. Do this, do this, do this, do this at nine o'clock, go over, hand hygiene, touch my patient, tick, 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 done. Now I can do my hand hygiene, touch my computer, update my OBS. Yeah. I think a lot of a misconception of ICU is that all the patients are ventilated. Mm. That's obviously,
0: I think, because we mentioned this earlier with a situation that you had where they are.
2: Yeah, no, um, we do get a lot of um, ventilator patients, which is good because then obviously it's a contained system and you don't have to worry about a lot of like, if they've got the flu, then it's contained. But if you do obviously touch secretions and that, you've got to have um, your contact precautions. But no, a lot of our patients are just on like your BiPAP, your CPAPs or your high flow nasal prongs. So because obviously we don't like them to be on a ventilated system for a prolonged period of time because, you know, the deterioration in your body, and the dependency and things like that and your delirium too. Um, We like to straight away, you know, once they're hemodynamically stable, get the tube out, put them on a high flow or whatever they can tolerate, um, which basically means it can open you up to all those bugs and things that they've got on their
0: body, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, because I think that's one of the things we always think when we think ICU is we think the whole um – million of the um systems and whatnot that you've got running you've got 50 ivs you've got the ventilator you've (laughs) got like everything beeping and
1: i start thinking about like you know
0: on house
1: (laughs) and then it's just like all of these different iv poles hanging and then they're ventilated and they're barely breathing and house is wandering around this as um (laughs) his cane i just imagine it all to be very like that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and with all of the sass just walking in and out. Yeah. Um, but like I've did a bit of a walk through ICU and it's not like that at all. No, <laughs> it's, no. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know why
0: I thought like that. I think it's because I've never been through to ICU. Mm -hmm. But I got an ICU step down the other day and they were definitely not ventilated. (laughs) (laughs) So there goes my dream.
1: (laughs) No, but like even um, during tutorials, I remember at uni, they'd be like, oh, in one day you're just going to walk into ICU and there's going to be IVs and you don't know what's running. And like Mm. they kind of feed you this illusion Mm. as well. And, you know, Mm. sometimes there might be situations like that. But I would say for the most part, it's probably not as crazy as that. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> and would you get a lot of the ones that are, as a grad, were you getting
0: people that were like maybe less of a workload? I don't know if you can say it like that or less critical?
2: Well, like during your orientation period, they do have you, so you've got your um, two weeks of super numeracy. And then after that, you'll have your time period with just your high dependency. So that's like your high flow, your CPAP, your BiPAP. And they will step you through like one, one month or one week. You'll have your high flow and then they'll step you up until you're, you're comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then you do go on to like your ventilators and things like that. Um, but in regards to like currently and sharing the vented patients, they do like continually rotate you. So, no, you do get shared yeah. around. Okay. So, how does that work, work with breaks? Do you have someone that floats or
0: a few people that float? Yeah, good yeah. question, oh, I'm, just, I'm actually <laughs> really curious because I've always been, like, fascinated with ED and I've thought of ICU and being like, it's not really something I'm interested in. Um, but, yeah, I think now talking about it, I'm kind of like, ooh, how actually does this work? Because it's so important because that's where some of my
2: patients might end up going if I do end up there. So... Yeah, no. Um well, especially since one-on-one care and ventilated, we're not allowed to leave their side because you you have that risk of self-extubation. Like we have patients pull their tube out or attempt to, they try and pull out their lines. Like they get that ICU delirium and they are just constantly fiddling. They don't know what they're doing. They will they will pull a line out if they can. Um so you've got your your nurse, that's your bedside nurse that's with you. The whole time you're there um, for safety precautions and obviously your vital sign monitoring and things like that you will then also have your team leader so they're in charge of the whole ward they will go around regularly and just check up on you see if there's anything changed what else needs to happen do you need anything but then you also have your access nurse so your access nurse is the person that is constantly on the floor they are your float so basically if you need medication if you need an infusion if you need anything um, and patient area care turns so we have that every two hours to prevent the pressure injuries because unfortunately those things develop quite quickly um so they will be your tube holder so you know at your two hourly turns they will come and hold that patient's tube while you're turning putting pillows in certain areas things like that um but yeah so if you have an infusion running you could always be like hey like sophie i need this but they are normally quite regularly beside checking on you and you'll give them a, hey, I've got three hours left on this infusion and they'll mentally note that and either get you that infusion straight away or you'll have it within two hours because you don't want that infusion running out. Three hours,
0: what a time to prep.
1: But I guess they, <laughs> I know it's like I needed it yesterday and we're like, right, my money into the drug room, come sign stuff. Yeah, <laughs> I mean,
0: three hours, I'm like, are you going to have a cup of coffee in that time? <laughs> yeah. um, I'm going
1: to write my notes
2: now. But then Should I can- write your notes? <laughs> Oh, man. it's see, isn't it funny, like, three hours and infusion's about to run out and I'm like, ah! Whereas I'm like, fantastic, I probably won't even be <laughs>
0: No, can't handle it.
2: Get it organised.
0: Yeah. I'm usually, like, it, it hits, like, an hour before meds are due and I'm like, oh, shit, I should probably start getting that stuff ready. And then it's past the hour that they have a due and I'm like, okay, I've got less than an hour now because <laughs> yeah. you can give them within an hour, an hour yeah, on each side. No,
2: each I side. think the three-hour, like, warning is pretty much because you need a second nurse to go and sign those medications out as well so you have to wait till someone else frees up so even though I'm giving you a three-hour warning it's like hey three hours to my fentanyl runs out that person's got to go and try and find someone that's not on a vented patient if they're the team leader then you're taking them off the floor Um, and the other thing too is isn't that three hours like our patients are so critically ill a lot can happen in that time and if you don't have that medication ready to just swap out on those pumps (laughs) your <laughs> So are there like dedicated ICU doctors on your floor? Yes.
0: Yeah. So yep. they just they're just ICU.
2: Yes. So we have um our own consultants. So we have I think it's like three or four dedicated consultants and you'll have two or three always on the floor during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, And then during the day we have, yeah, our dedicated doctors and they're the ones that arrive on your met calls. So you'll have your ICU nurse, your ICU doctor, all of that arrive on any met calls that happen. And like it could be, and it's quite funny because looking at it from an ICU perspective, we could be on morning rounds, they're going around and you'll have your met call doctor, your met call nurse, um, your consultants, you know, your physios. Like we have quite a large go from bed to bed because they're discussing every single need of that patient. And one thing I didn't realize, sorry, I digress, was I didn't realize how much everybody actually contributed. Like I always thought, ah, nurses and doctors they're your number one but no like the dietitians there and you know they're like ah oh, they're not getting their calorie intake that's why you know there's muscle wastage that's why this is happening or that's why they're aspirating so much and then you've got all your lung issues so you're looking at those complications and then you've got your physios there who like the person might have pneumonia or they'll have some other issue with their lungs the physio will come and actually do like yeah the shake the shaking and the padding and clear all that up and then suck all those secretions out and all of a sudden it's like Ta da! you yeah. um, so were to into it. Yes.
0: It's yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. You don't realize it until you work in that environment of how much you all work together. Yes. Mm. Yeah. It's like you sort of touch on it a little bit, but you really don't go into how much they can actually do. And I love that because I don't want to do any like physical exercises with people. I'm like, no, I don't know what I'm doing. That's a physio thing. <laughs> I
1: can thing. barely <laughs> walk myself. Don't, <laughs> don't ask me to help others. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yep. Um, yeah, and it's quite funny, like our physios um, are a big thing with our ICU delirium because patients being stuck in our ward don't know day and night and like even though you're trying to orientate them, you're like, hey, it's 6 o'clock in the morning or you'll be like, hey, it's 4 a.m. in the morning. Why are you awake? Yeah. You know, um, so our physios are a big thing because they're like, hey, let's get your patient that's either got a trachee or, you know, an actual ETT, let's get them outside. And we take our patients outside on the ventilators so that we're orientating them to the day. They're getting that sunlight and it actually helps that ICU delirium. Wow. That's so
1: good. That's I would have thought really there'd cool. be so many other issues, like mm. you'd be scared of infection and you'd mm. be scared of them just, you know, needing
2: to be in ICU. Yeah. Mm. We've got, we've got um, like in our little outdoor area, they've actually got everything we need there. They've got our air, our suck. I was like, our sucker, <laughs> our suction, <laughs> things like that. And family love it because normally in ICU, we are not we don't take more than two people by the bedside because it can cause issues with if something happens, trying to access those emergency areas around the bed. So when we take them outside, you can have like 10 family members there. They can have their dog. Like I remember one patient, they had their dog on their bed. And even though you're like, ah, watch that tubing, the patient's like, my dog, yeah. <laughs> you know? So That helps a lot yeah. with their
1: health, not just their mental, but their physical as
0: well yeah. so that's really good yeah I have learned a lot about ICU here now I'm not like too scared if I do a rotation through there
1: <laughs> just a little bit but not too, too scared. not
0: too scared but I'm also going to walk in there and be like my friend Beck said <laughs>
1: that
0: there are dogs in
1: here.
0: <laughs> I demand dogs. I've come
1: for the <laughs> dogs.
0: You know, when you, it's like when you see um, a seeing eye dog and you're like, I just want to touch you, but I can't. I
2: know it says yeah, don't yeah. touch. but
0: <laughs> Who does that apply to? Is that children or <laughs> adults as well? Wow.
2: Oh. <laughs> one thing too is that people don't realise, and I learnt this on one of our grad days where we all came together, like um, because the the different regions will have their grad days, so it'll be like ed icu periop i think we even had some like people from other hospitals coming in for the grad days so it was good to debrief in like that kind of environment but one question that was asked to us was what's one thing that you've learned in your grad year and of course i wanted to be different i was like well I've learned how to wash my patient's hair like when they're ventilated you know and I've learned that if you um, tape these garbage bags together and put their hair in it and you just tip the bed like right up like the water runs down and periop were like you wash your patient's hair in ICU and I was like yeah like we sponge bath them regularly we do like hygiene cares is our one of the number one priority so everybody sort of is like what you yeah. wash hair like? Yeah, and I braid <laughs> it too, and it so good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got my comb and like yes. the patient's family walking, and I'm just there combing, humming things. <laughs> well, sweet that humming. is a big thing too. It's very important. It's like you don't want the family to walk no. in and see their loved
2: ones looking
1: oh yeah disheveled and yeah. disgusting. Especially just a shave. A shave yeah. brings yeah, them back. Yeah. them
2: regularly yeah. we do everything so how you walk in and see a patient so even our consultants i remember one day my patient was just so delirious and she's rolling around in bed and her hair i just brushed it but it looked shocking and the the consultant was like can you do something with her hair and i was like <laughs> i'm like we're doing morning rounds and i'm like you didn't want me to do anything else you just want me to fix her hair <laughs> okay <laughs> because because how they present is a big thing and in fact how For example, if an ICU patient, when we're taking them to the ward, like nurses will say, "Um, they're not going until you fix that sheet. Like that needs to look nice and neat. We're not having them go to a ward like that. I wish your ICU was my
0: ICU step down (laughs) because I got one patient and I was just like, what the hell? (laughs) They had like an epidural and they're supposed to have fluids running and they did not have fluids running. And then they changed an order and just hadn't updated it and stuff and it was just one of those things where they hadn't been meticulous Mm -hmm. and and I don't know these things as a grad so I had grabbed a nurse from the ward and been like we're getting an ICU step down this is a big deal for me okay you're gonna be here while I get this um and yeah they just picked up on all of this little stuff and I was like I thought being ICU
2: you'd be quite meticulous right Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so yeah one thing I know too, and I think it happens in quite a lot of hospitals, is because we have different systems to ward the wards. Um, so whenever we, <clears throat> and it was said like, for example, putting lines into from one system to another, we're told, well, ICU is quite busy, quite 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 busy that you don't have to actually put it into the system but let the handover nurse know when it went in blah 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 but in saying that I think that's quite a lot of work for the ward nurse then and not only that like you don't you didn't put it in you don't know what's going on um so we we do put them into the other system but like because when we step down the 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 two systems don't talk to each other so all our paperwork gets printed out so you get like this huge thick folder of like ta-da this is what happened in their like 60 day stay at ICU that's insane so So you're because your
0: system is like completely different to the rest of the hospital
2: yeah and can I say I look up to ward nurses because I cannot work that other system like I get in there and I'm like I don't know where things are because that would be the system that I
0: use (laughs) we've got the same system
2: yeah like I got pulled to ED because as ICU we're one-on-one staffing. But if you don't have a patient, then basic that you can either go home. So um, what you can do is you can bank your hours, so you will owe the ward those hours, but you'll get paid for it. So it kind of helps. But then it sucks when you have to come back and pay that back. Pretty much. <laughs> you're but the other option is you can get pulled to different That's wards. Awesome. So, mm. so I got pulled to ED one day and you know I just had a patient on high flow and then you get to see that but I had no idea what to do down there like you're you're washing your hands and you're doing all this but the ED staff were incredible they were so supportive I was like I've given insulin I can see there's an order for it but how do I say I've given it like (laughs) I (laughs) forget and this is broken (laughs) Yes. I'm like, it's there and obviously it's not touchscreen but you're tapping it, like I've given it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like they are, like the support in ED was very good for the pooling staff um, and I'd assume it would be the same in all other wards but literally that system, I have no clue. Like I'm amazed they didn't do any. Ward staff are great to work yeah, with. Yeah, that's it,
0: that's it. And I always, um, did you pull out the I'm a grad quite often? <laughs> I mean, they all kind of know you are, but if you had gone and pulled somewhere else.
2: I kind of didn't. Like um, I had an ICU nurse that was coming off night shift take me down because I was on day shift and he introduced me to the team leader for the day and she was great. Like they did their little morning, you know, get together in a huddle, talked about things. They scrum, that's it. You guys clearly watch far too much football. (laughs) and she introduced me and said I think she may have said I was a grad or something but I didn't have to say it again the the staff just worked around me and worked with me it was great Well, I was telling Jem that's like my biggest
0: go-to is being like oh I'm a grad and then showing my little badge I have like a little badge (laughs) and then oh it did hangs like something that says grad no. it actually I don't even think
1: it says grad it just says
2: pool <laughs> just I was like... saying they must
1: have thought you were like another type of person <laughs> yeah. being like hi my name's Matt and I'm a grad and holding up her ID like all right can you stand in the corner legit- for a moment legit legitimate that's me I'm like I'm a look I'm a grad
0: I probably say it about 10 times a <laughs> Yeah. I'm not sure about this. Like
1: why are you surprised? <laughs> I'm the <a> ground <grab. laughs>
2: I Do you know what? I probably did pull it out in my first couple of months cuz you're so unsure and so insecure and especially when you're dealing with like the doctors yes. and things like but now I'm like uh, excuse me doc you sure you want to do that <laughs> <laughs> it's me questioning them now whereas before I was kind of like I'm just a grad so you want me to do what okay no worries and then something might happen you're like oh shit <laughs> don't listen to them because and it's quite funny you as a nurse are so important because you're that last line of safety between the patient and anything else that is built up to happening to that patient as
0: an inexperienced nurse that's something that scares me because I'm like I don't know everything so
1: I'm not gonna know I think that's the safest bit though in that admitting that you don't
0: know everything yes it is then there's also potential for something to happen because I haven't picked it up because I'm not experienced so I just you know one of those things that we think about that kind of is a bit of a concern that we have like you and and you know I didn't know that Um, I was telling Gem this. I was like, I didn't know that fluids needed to be running with an epidural. Mm. You know, I know with a PCA you need oxygen, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know, you know. and, And that's why I was so thankful that I had been like, I'm going to go grab a nurse that is experienced and get them here for this handover.
2: Definitely.
0: Yeah. And I think another thing was, is I was like, this patient's a little bit more complicated than I'm used to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I went and picked up a a patient from recovery the other day and the nurse just said all this stuff. And I literally like just felt my face just go like red and just me being like, I must look at like a deer in the (laughs) headlights right now. Like, holy shit. What has this patient been going through? (laughs) Should there be a nice- You did what? <laughs> yeah. And then I said to the guy, I was like, uh look, I'm a grad. And this is all- <laughs> And he's like, Oh, you should have said something. Closes the curtain, we go look at the um the wound and all that kind of stuff. And I was like He's like, oh, come check this out.
1: God. He's like, We'll go through it thoroughly. And I was like, Oh, that, is so great. See, that
2: is good, that support, like that's what I think is really good is, yeah, the areas working together and supporting each other because we sort of spoke about this before we started was how there's like those um, changes in wards, like where you're doing that handover and that there can be sort of a standoffish type behaviour. That shouldn't be there. Yeah, and so there should be that helping out and not a waiting for the other ward to stuff up. There should be. Or what did they do
1: wrong this time? Mm, It's kind of like no, just take the patient
2: and continue the care. Yes, Yes, exactly.
0: It's it's difficult like that. It's there's such a um I that that culture is still there. That real yeah eat your young culture or just. Eat everyone.
1: <laughs> that's I don't know more if I can accurate. Describe it like that. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter if you're new, you're old, you're anything. Like no. you just. But I guess that's good in a way because they're non-discriminative. They're just <laughs> hating us all. <laughs> <laughs> Hate all the new grads. No, they don't. No. It's a very su- but they're supportive. They are. It doesn't matter. Like even yeah. as a student, you'd often be well supported. The moment that that you walked on the floor, they're like, "Oh, great, I've got a student. So come, let's go look that up." Mm. And Mm -hmm. rather than just being like, ugh.
2: Probably depends on personality of nurses too. Because even as a student, I remember there was this one time. Yeah, this one time (laughs) where this one nurse was waiting for a patient to take their medication, wasn't allowed to leave bedside because obviously, like quite um, I can't remember what medication it was, but they had to make sure they took it. And she had the drug keys. And this other nurse down the hallway is like, I need the drug keys. And so this nurse is like, I'm sitting at the doorway. This nurse has walked over to the doorway, handed me the drug keys as a student which is a no-no, I remember looking down at the drug keys and you sort of like, what is going on? Like, what are these things? And then handing it back to the nurse who gave it to me and saying, I can't have these. And then the nurse down the hallway walking up to me and threatening me saying that I've now just failed my placement because I touched the drug keys. Even though I hadn't walked away with them, I hadn't done anything, it was just a bullying tactic and I did discuss this with a facilitator that there is still that behaviour out there that shouldn't be there. But in saying that, I guess, you know, you always remember the bad and you don't remember the good. So, for example, this year in my grad... With the the hospital, they have their, you know, nursing graduate coordinator and then she'll have her um, graduate facilitators under her to go around and help. And like those graduate facilitators were amazing for mental help um, because they would come up to ICU and they weren't ICU specialists. They were from other wards and they would literally walk in and go, hey, I have no idea about ICU. And at that time, we had different pumps and things like that as well. And they were like, we don't know how to work your pumps, but if you need a chat, I'm here so it was good to have that and even though i never used it because you were like no look i'm busy i don't have time for a chat you wish you did like just be like hey give me five minutes I'm going to go debrief because that was one thing I've learnt and I actually said this to our nursing graduate coordinator um, when we were talking to a lot of other new facilitators coming on board. I said, I wish just once a week you were taken off the floor and you had a moment of debrief because that's a big thing. And I guess that's your reflection thing you are talking about before. Yeah, absolutely.
1: The more debriefs, sometimes the better. And working in an environment like that, it probably helps to unpack while you're on site as opposed to driving home or you know, going yeah. to the gym.
0: Well, yeah. a lot of people say when you you need to have like some way of closing off that shift. So mm. it's like you, you need to kind of debrief before you get home or yeah. something like that. When I first did my paramedic placement, and I've learned this ever since, um, he used to say that he would get home from shifts and he had like this... Palm tree That grew Grew over the path This is legit What he said to me And he's like You need to find a way To disconnect from the day And he's like I used to walk Down the path And like High five the plant (laughs) And that would be my way of being like, I've left it behind. And then walk into his house. This
2: guy's now going to know that you're talking about him. Well, it's
0: a nursing (laughs) podcast, so hopefully not. (laughs) Yeah, so like I think it was just – and what I kind of learnt from that is it's great to talk about it Mm -hmm. and whatnot, but um, and especially if you're finding it hard to sort of move on from that, from whatever might have happened that day. But being able to get to a point where you literally leave it behind, whether it's before you walk into the house or, you know, maybe call someone on your way
2: home or something like that I find that really important I try to incorporate it I guess I never realized it but as soon as I'm walking out those hospital doors and when you're getting in the the car and doing your numbing music like that is me leaving it I've left it at the hospital doors because, unfortunately, that's the day done. You can't, you can't dwell on it. Or you're just not going to yeah. cope. I take
0: you as more of like a screamo person. I just scream. For some reason, I'm like picturing you getting in your
2: car, and it's like, oh, oh like <laughs> the music. Oh my god, I am so going to dob myself in here. Everyone's going to know exactly who I am when I say no. I'm a country music oh fan. My god. Yeah, country music is my jam, people. <laughs> on the way home. <laughs> oh, that's oh, no so girlfriend. incredible. Oh, no, girlfriend, Chase Rice. <laughs> I don't know who that is.
0: I myself am more of
1: a Slipknot person.
0: <laughs> I feel like Screamer would just speak to me. I might try that um, if I have a bad day. <laughs> it's more of a yelling
1: to you, but <laughs>
0: okay. I hate it when it comes on um, Triple J, and then I'm just like, oh, change the radio
2: station. I don't Nets, know what they're saying. Nat's like, I love when people yell at me. <laughs> at work, at home, just yell at me. <laughs> when a patient
0: says something, like, mean because they're a little bit delirious, I just kind of, like, look at them and I'm like, I'm so offended right now. <laughs> all right so we should probably wrap it up so thanks for tuning in if you're keen to hear more or something we've discussed has interest you head over to our instagram or facebook page and send us a message at the aussie nurses podcast have a fantastic week and thank you beck for joining us
1: thanks Thanks, beck